0: Hey everyone, this is Victor with Talk of Fame, a rock and roll podcast. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to share with you a couple of things. One, I want to say thank you to everybody that has shown support and has been listening. We appreciate you listening to our podcast. We know you can choose many other podcasts, but you spend some time with us and we really appreciate that. Second thing is when we recorded this particular episode, I was having an issue with my interface. And so I had to use a substitute interface. And I guess it just didn't communicate well with Zoom. It caused a clock issue. And so what that means is that my voice is going to sound a little bit high pitched. I hope it's not too annoying And I apologize for that. It looks like Beegs' voice sounds good and our guest's voice sounds good. But with that said, let's jump into the podcast and we hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks a lot.
1: Hey, this is the Beegs. What's up? This is Victor. And this is Talk of Fame, a rock and roll podcast.
2: Is everybody in? Cool. The ride's about to begin. Are you ready, rock and rollers? Enjoy the ride with your Talk of Fame hosts, Victor and the Beagues. Ooh, yeah.
1: hey what's up fellas and gals how's everybody doing what's up guys <laughs> it's
0: another talk of fame podcast so today we have a pretty pretty cool guest what do we got bob
1: well he plays in a little band <laughs> called the smashing pumpkins <laughs> wow, man. not little no um Yes, his name is Jeff Schroeder. He's the guitar player for The Smashing Pumpkins and he also plays in a band called Night Dreamer.
0: If you haven't had a chance to listen to their new album, it's available on Spotify. I think you mentioned that there's gonna be like a second a second disc or a second like a second uh follow up to it.
1: From what I heard, there's gonna be a double album. And they also have bundles on their website.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited because um I was listening to that um to the album that they just released on October 9th I think. Yes. And there's some really really good tracks on there and it's quite different. So I'm curious to see what their production, you know, and their their writing approach was like and what uh how how they came up with this new sound. I mean, you know, there's a lot of elements of uh that I did hear from some of their previous stuff. I mean, it's still smashing pumpkins, it's still them. Um it's not entirely different. But there is a different vibe. I
1: think with this album, they took a different approach. Uh, they had, added a lot of elements like keyboards. I uh, hear a little less guitars. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do it live. I'm sure live it will be a lot heavier. Uh, I dig it. I love it. I like the new direction. They're older now. I mean, you're not going to be writing the same stuff when you, wrote, you know, when you were 20, 23 years old, however old you were at
0: the time, you know? Well, some bands do. <laughs> Well, yeah, some, and
1: that's fine. I'm not taking away with it. I'm not, you know, some bands can <coughs> yeah.
0: get away with it.
1: And that's great. You know, people love that. You know, same thing with ACD, ACDC. ACDC, you know, they released a new record and it just sounds like ACDC. <laughs> there's no surprise there. Right.
0: You know? And you know, those are, those are legacy bands. But what I like to see is bands really evolving and transforming. And it looks like Jeff is ready to come on board. So let me go ahead and bring him in. Hey, Jeff, can you hear us? Hey. Hello. Hey, what's up man? Hey, how's it going? Up. Good. How are you? Dude, I love that shirt. Steeler.
2: <laughs> I know I got a lot of Invincible. I got a lot of going. Oh, I nice. got poster back there and <laughs> I have Pretty that album.
1: Nice. I have that album on vinyl. It's a really I, I, I do get-
2: too. I still do I still do, you know, and it's, the crazy thing is when I bought it used in like whatever, I mean, I'm trying to think when it was. Must have been sometime in the late '80s. You know, vinyl was like pre like people buying vinyl again. I I feel like I bought it at this record store out in the suburbs where I grew up, like for like a dollar ninety nine or something. You know, uh, what I mean, it was like uh, no one, no one wanted it. That's
1: right. And Mark Varney,
0: he's the one that that got them together. Yeah, it's right? on
2: Shrapnel Records. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: you know what's funny about the vinyl is that you know it's really making a strong comeback and i think that's really really cool at that time like you're mentioning a buddy of mine was really into momstein man and he was traveling around with different bands and you know we we didn't really think much of of not that we didn't value vinyl but it was just everywhere and anywhere you could it was all around you mentioned that you bought it for like a dollar ninety nine yeah yeah so my buddy he was like dude i'm gonna be on tour for a while can you take care of my stuff and he brought these like uh like treasure kind of chests and i was <laughs> like i i lived in a really tiny like one room studio apartment and i had like a little porch and i'm like well you could put it there so oh, it, no, it rained. No. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's not a good idea to put up on the porch. He's,
1: he's you know this is going.
0: Yeah, a few months later he came back and he was like, dude, so I'm here to get my stuff. And I'm like, Cool, it's right there, bro. Right where you left it. And he just looked at me like, You you didn't bring it inside I'm like, I don't know what's in it, bro. So he had all his albums there and they were warped oh, and I was like, Oh dude, no, yeah sorry uh, bro <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah pretty much the guy i'm talking yeah. about is his name's joseph and he's he's also a a great guitarist man shout out to joseph wherever he's he's probably yeah two he was one,
1: he was the one that actually got me into Steeler. and uh as a oh, matter of cool. fact i think we did in high school we did one of their songs um i can't remember the name of the song but i know we did one of their songs well,
2: it was probably probably either cold day in hell which was like kind of the lead track lead out tra- or on the rocks, I think was a good one too.
1: Probably that, and oh. that uh, the, that guitar solo. I don't, I don't know if you remember uh, Metal Shop. Remember that 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 show? Hot on your heels,
2: the Hot yes, on your heels that's intro. It, uh, with, that's the with, one with we the, did with the, with the oh, Hot on your heels. Yeah, with the delay. He does like, yeah. the, the, like the the buzz song, right? Or, like yes, <laughs> and it would go
1: mm mm Metal yeah.
2: Shop. Oh, I used to listen to that all the time because I grew up in a in Southern California. We had KNC. Yes, yes. Which was Sunday nights, like at nine o'clock or something. It was like metal shop. But yeah, it was so cool. It was like only one, maybe like a half an hour long.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it was short. Yeah. I remember that, yeah.
2: But it was on your so cool. heels.
0: They always yeah, left you heels. wanting more. You're like, all right, what's next? And then, all right, see you guys next week or whatever. So it was really short. Really yeah, really short, yeah, short.
2: yeah. I loved, I mean, that's, 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 I know. And I listened to that album the other day. And I realized, oh, yeah, that's right. That was the thing on Metal Shop. Yeah, so funny. And
1: that, <laughs> and that was the only place that you could actually hear, like, the new stuff that was coming out. Because, again, yeah. we didn't have the internet, you know, no, or YouTube or so, anything like that. So you would hear a song. It was like, well, okay. So he would play something cool. And then you would go out. Yeah. And buy it.
2: It was so fun, you know what I mean, too. It just, I mean, music was, I mean, it's great now, too, but it was, back then, it was just, like, new discoveries. And I just actually told this story the other day uh, to a friend, you know, I actually, when I was, I don't know, maybe, probably, I'm 16, because I feel like I must have drove, but Ingbe did a record signing, you know, Tower Records. And I was nice. like, oh, my God, I got to go, you know what I mean? And so I went down there <clears> by myself, of course, so I didn't know anybody else that liked him. And you know, I'm waiting in lines mostly dudes. You know what I mean. And like, but hundreds and hundreds of people, and everybody, like half half the people in line had their guitars. You know, because they wanted Ingve yeah. to sign their guitars. And I saw you know so many of those shirts. Remember, he had those shirts that said, on the front said Ingve Who. Yes. And then On the back said Ingve Fucking moms. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I remember that, dude. <laughs> and, it
2: was, and you know, just he went, I waited like three hours. In line, and then you finally get to go inside, and it's like there he is—the the hair, the sunglasses. He even had the i am i never forget—he had the leopard jacket on that he always had. That you know, that leopard jacket. He's probably now because I've read a bunch of you know bios and stuff. He's probably was totally hungover,
1: probably, you know, because I mean? yeah. like
2: three in the afternoon, you know, and. And it was just like I, you know, him my poster, and he's just like, "There you go." <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. You know, uh-huh. yeah, I'm like you're like you're five seconds in front of being Babe Is
1: that the poster behind you, or no?
2: It's a different one. I bought That's that different- recently. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, okay. I, I had to, but I yeah, because it's um, it's pretty funny, you know. It's just, it's just like a force to be reckoned with, and so there's like it was basically ad, it was an ad for must have been when Marching Out came out, like as like a poster that was in record stores and stuff.
1: And I know you're a big fan of Ace Frehley because I know we've, you know, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, would always talk about, yeah. Yeah. So was he your first a guitar hero or who
2: yeah, was Yeah, because my brother is eight years older than me. And so he was born in 66. So you can imagine by the time he was 10 or 11, he was in full kiss mania. And so, um, so, Cause my dad took my brother and a bunch of the other kids around the neighborhood to go see kiss at the forum in 77 with cheap trick opening that classic love gun tour. And I mean, so, and so growing up from the, from my literally my first memories, it was kiss. Like it was just everywhere in the house. I mean, just listening to it, posters, tour books, the whole deal. So yeah, I mean ACE was, and for whatever reason, And you can't explain it. You just gravitate towards one member. And I I always thought like, wow, this Ace is the coolest. Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And then came Motley Crue and then everything just (laughs) took off from there. Yeah, yeah,
2: oh yeah, yeah. So all that stuff, you know, and then once I started playing guitar, you know, like I, I probably got a guitar when I was like eight. So it would have been like 1982, 83 or something like that. And then by the time I was like 10 or 11, it was like, rad and you know you, you know actually the the really the, the first record on my hard rock heavy metal record on my own that i really really got into was quiet riot metal health oh yeah 83 because that was such a big record that you know when come on feel the noise and metal health came out you know I, that was i mean i went to the record store and bought that with like, my christmas money Nice, and
1: it opened doors for everybody. That's when everybody started getting signed. Yeah,
2: Quiet Riot, and then you know that same Christmas, I got Pyromania by Def Leppard. That you (laughs) know back then, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna
0: say Quiet Riot was kind of like the gateway, like Bobo Biggs was saying. You know, for a lot of yeah, that was my transition from breakdance to rock, because you know I heard that and I was like, that was in your face, man that mental yeah, and, no. and it was in your face and it was it had energy i remember they came to town i was in seventh grade um and, and, you know i liked it but not not enough to go see a show i was still kind of like half breakdance getting into rock <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, so, <totally. laughs> so my buddies that that went to the show the next day you know you are in seventh grade everybody's got their t-shirts on and I was like, "Damn, I should have gone, man!" But um, that was totally a gateway—not only for not only for people transitioning over to rock that really weren't fans, but like yeah. other bands, as you guys are talking, are you guys? You guys are saying.
2: Well, and that was, you know, a full—you know—that would have been like right around the time. I think it probably came out like a little bit before Thriller came out. You know what I, I mean? So, but yeah. it was. Yeah, but yeah. it was. I mean, it was like the first. What you know? They say it was the thing because it was the first. Hard rock, heavy metal. I'm gonna go number one to where like, oh wow, this isn't just a subculture anymore. This is actually mainstream. Yeah. And I think with the rise of MTV and stuff, it was just all about timing, and they were. It kind was of exactly
1: a, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. Perfect timing.
2: Yeah, and the, you know, and 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 they were actually a pretty good band. You know, you see them like that if you watch a '83 U.S. festival. You oh ever yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know where yeah. and and they sound great. You know, they're really good. They're really good, you know, where Motley Crue is a little bit like you can tell, like, they weren't totally used to playing probably stages that big, it, you know, right? They, you like, can you know, see it, bit, yeah. Where then you by like, Quiet Right, even though they were the first band, they were still really great, and obviously Judas <clears throat> Priest just was a oh, juggernaut, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. and yeah.
1: Ben Halen too. Speaking of, you oh, know, yeah, Van
2: yeah. Halen. Yeah, and who else played that day? Maybe did Scorpions play too? It man? was a,
1: sc- a Scorpions and, and Triumph
2: was all. Triumph. <laughs> <laughs> Triumph.
1: Yeah, wow. Rick Emmett, I, man. really great yeah. guitar player.
2: I used to have that. Remember he did like a Starlitz instructional yes. video. Yes. And
1: the, I used the, to, the VHS. Videos. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I had that. You know, I don't know why I ended up. Someone, the guy at the music store was like, you know, you know, they would let you rent them. And he was like, I'm telling you, he's like, you know, and I probably wanted to get like the Carlos Cavazzo one or something, he's like, you know, you should really get this, you should rent this Rick Emmett one because he shows, cause in that video, he kind of played like a bunch of different styles, you know? And uh, I don't think I learned anything from it. I just would watch it, you know what I mean? Because just (laughs) try to get in, you know I mean? it's kind of all above my head at the time, but I remember I used to watch that all the time. Nice. so when, when it comes to when
0: it comes to momstein man what was your turn on for that because i remember as well back in the day you know listening to momstein everybody was like what is this it was it was <laughs> badass and every you know it, it, it kind of kicked everybody in the butt in terms of like getting their chops together getting their licks together and really putting in that rehearsal time
2: yeah um I just think that it was just the -the over-the-top playing and it just was, you never heard anything like that. And for me, it was kind of all happening at the same time. It wasn't like, oh, I had five years of Van Halen and then this guy comes along. Once I started becoming kind of conscious who there, it was like, wow, there's Eddie Van Halen, there's Ingeve Momsen, there's George Lynch, there's Warren D. Martini, there was all these guys. Yeah, kind of floating around, and then I. But you know, you you mentioned that it was even um, at that time, I was so young that you know my listening tastes were kind of still all over the map. So I would be still like really into you too. Yeah. You know, I mean, like when Unforgettable Fire came out, I I was just as much into that as I was into, you know, Out of the Cellar. But so Ingvae was just one person among many. You know, it wasn't, it, I was kind of bombarded by all of it at the same time, but I was a, such an avid reader as I'm sure you guys were, because we're, we're obviously all from the same era of, of guitar magazines. And so yes. I was getting so much information from guitar magazines. And so then that's how I would learn about mm, people like Yngwie yeah. and how, and they kind of, you know, they would kind of place it in a certain kind of like musical historical trajectory for you. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah what um,
0: w- when you um when you started playing guitar um do you remember your first guitar do
2: you still yes have i it? still have i still have it It is a little ha- little three-quarter scale harmony acoustic that i got from a like a department store catalog
0: harmony J. guitars. guitars.
2: <laughs> yeah it wasn't jc Penney's? it was um i think there in southern cup where there was a, a chain called best and it and they had whatever and so you'd get the catalog delivered to the house they'd have like one electric guitar one bass one acoustic guitar one little amp you know what yeah. i mean in the back you know with all like it'd be like clothes houseware furniture and then at the children's toys and at the very last page, it'd be like musical instruments <laughs> you know what I mean? and i just stare at that for hours and be yeah. until i finally begged my parents you know, can I get that? I think they got it for me for either Christmas or my birthday. I can't, yeah, I can't remember, which, but I still have it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome, oh, that's, man. That's A lot awesome. of people don't keep their, you know, they don't. Have, they may have it, but yeah. it's all jacked up.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty. I j- don't even it, have actually, my brother has it at his house, and it's still like, I mean, it needs like strings and stuff, but it's, I mean, it's it's still uh, playable. And um, strangely. I you know cuz I just recently moved back to Southern California from Chicago and before I left Chicago I was taking jazz guitar lessons at this place called Old Town School of Folk Music even though it's called kind of a folk school they teach all different styles there now and they have a really great jazz instructor there and so but they have a music store and one day I was walking by the window and they had a U that they had the same exact guitar. This is the same harmony. There's the one that I have, no. you know, like, the, Wait, like they awesome. had like someone, someone had sold it as a, you know, for as a used guitar. <laughs> oh my God. It's so crazy. I'm like, it makes you feel like, wow, they actually made more than one of those. Yeah. <laughs> you so you right, right. i never seen it. I never saw another one anywhere. Yeah.
1: So you were born and raised in California, correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay, so you were there when, when all the 80s, like the glam, that whole scene, you know, the Hollywood, you know, the cat house.
2: Oh, yes, know. but I was, you know, because I was too young to go to Hollywood really on my own. Um, I mean, I turned 16 in 1990. So once I turned 16, me and my friend from school who were, we were all like, we, we did. So we got to see like the last year and a half of oh, okay. that you know oh. I mean of, you know where we did go see bands like the Troubadour and the Roxy and the whiskey and we did you know we did see that but but even growing up there it was like the all the local like band magazine and you know that the kind of the free local I remember those that they, magazines. That they would have they would have those at every record store every music store so you get it and I think it came out once a week so you'd see it all the time and I mean it would just be full page ads of those bands after band after band. And so I used to see all that stuff all the time. I mean, I remember seeing Guns N' Roses in there, like before they were signed Poison, Warrant, all I mean, all those bands.
0: We saw a lot of that back here. We're in Texas and uh uh-huh. we had a buddy who would visit out there, you know, and then he'd bring back the magazines and so we were and all
1: magazine like, and screamer.
0: Yeah, we screamer. were yeah
2: screaming yeah, yeah, yeah. We, scream, we were all yeah, like yeah. whoa you know just kind of one rocks rock, rock city news yeah. was another one yeah. too rock city news yeah
0: we'd sit there and, <laughs> and look at this stuff and just really like I mean daydream you know well that's 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 our scene that's what we wanted to do but we had like the old issues because we were in Texas man we we're still looking like a <laughs> last year's issue <laughs>
2: But, <laughs> but just—I used to keep—I used to keep them all. I had them under my bed, and it would just. Till finally, my mom was like, "You gotta throw these things away," you know. <laughs> and I remember finally when I moved out, like I had just years and years and years of like guitar magazines, like all those ones from the '80s, like so many. And then I went back, you know, and my parents are like, "Oh, we threw those away. I, we left them in the garage." I'm like, "Oh." You know, so now I spent a lot of my my 40s rebuying them on ebay yeah
0: oh, that's <laughs> cool That's
2: cool. yeah so i have a bunch of them from that era but and for a while they were cheap but now like people know like that people want them so now i'm like okay it's just <laughs> yeah. it's pretty funny
0: so you so you started playing guitar uh around what age was that
2: i mean probably eight or nine but but i didn't really start um taking it seriously I us about 12 or 13. And I started Mm -hmm. taking lessons from, you know, the, I I walked into the local music store in Orange County and, you know, I walked in and, um, you know, the guitar, one of the guitar teachers was out there on the floor. He's like, Oh, you know, he's like, I was like looking at some fluorescent colored guitar and he's like, Oh, you like, you know, what, what kind of, you know, what kind of guitar players do you like? And I'm like, Oh, like, like Eddie Van Halen and stuff. He's like, Oh, you like Van Halen? So he takes the guitar off the off the wall and plugs into an amp and starts playing like hot for teacher erupts like note for note and i'd never seen you know i mean pre you couldn't i never seen anybody three feet in front of me doing all that stuff oh yeah Yeah. Yeah. turn the amp up like super loud was just like you know and it was i was just blown away and so of course he was you know now i realize he was out there you know fishing for students sure (laughs) you know and um (laughs) and um so then I went home and I obviously begged, told my parents, like, look, it there's this guy, I got it. And they were, they, you know, and, you know, my family, we didn't definitely didn't have a lot of money, but um, it was, you know, when I think it was fairly affordable, you know? And so I started taking lessons and then that was great because it just, once I started, it's like, Oh, okay. I had someone guiding me and kind of showing me, okay, chords and scales and modes and arpeggios and kind of get you know, the the basics. So I always, Because even after, you know, the 80s ended and kind of alternative music came in, I I always knew what I was doing to a certain degree. Like I never was clueless about keys and what scales went with what chords. I always had that basic foundation. And that
0: totally helps, man, because I don't think a lot of people knew that, you know, it was more of like, let's jam out go ahead plug in are
1: you in tune what's that (laughs) well especially in the 90s because there was a lot of tunings you know the tuning and you know stuff like that it wasn't like the 80s
2: no a lot of that stuff went out the door and you know and myself included i hear some recordings of some of the bandos at that time and i was like man i guess i did not really care about my intonation and tuning because i'm like super attitude (laughs) 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 and for some reason i'm like like my, uh, you know, the other a couple of months ago, someone says like, hey, uh, this guy, you know, recorded a bunch of our shows and he sent, you know, digitized everything and sent, sent us all these files. And I was all excited for something like, oh, this is going to probably be like, like, I'm going to like, oh, wow, we, we weren't so bad. And I listened to him like, oh, my gosh, like delete these things. <laughs> <This is> terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. man. So in the '90s, you uh, what what band were you in at the time? Were you doing any local uh shows at at the local oh, clubs yeah. there in so, Hollywood?
2: Oh yeah. Um, so that guitar teacher I had, I took lessons from from about you know thirteen to end of high school, you know, and then I quit for maybe my senior year I quit, you know, um, whatever because I had been taking lessons. Well, I, I I'd been taking lessons from for like three three and a half years, and then, you know, he was a poor struggling musician he didn't have a car which in southern california is hard and so he would always show up late to lessons or he'd like not make it to lessons so finally i was like okay i'm gonna quit from this guy And so and i was good enough to kind of keep on playing you know and i started playing in like a band in high school and um and um but then i graduated and then that summer i graduated started This was 1992 hanging around like there was like a like a kind of a coffee house kind of thing where they had open mic nights. And so I was there. I ran into my old teacher. And so we started hanging out again. And he's like, Oh, I'm te- you know, why don't you, he's like, you can just take lessons at my house. And I was like, okay, you know what? I want to keep on taking lessons. And so I started taking lessons from that is in his apartment. And he had a two roommates that were in a band together, you know, so it's like a three bedroom apartment. And so the other two guys I love that lived there were in this other band. And so, um, I guess one of his roommate this guy michael they shared a room yeah you know, they shared a wall and so he heard me and dave playing you know during my lesson so then after i left michael went this guy michael went to dave my teacher said hey who was that playing with you today and he's like oh that's jeff one of my students he's like he's like hey you know my band we're looking for a guitar player can i get that guy's number or whatever and so he basically hooked me up and so it was this band called uh, the Violet Burning, mm. and they had been around already a couple of years. And um, at the time, I was only I was only eighteen, and they were like twenty six or twenty seven. But that seemed like like a, such a huge difference to me at the time. And it was, and they had been, so they'd already been playing clubs for like eight or nine years or something like that. And um, so I joined that band. And so by like that fall, I was playing every club in L.A. and Hollywood and did that for many years
0: with that with that same band
2: yeah 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 yeah. i was in that band for probably till 97 Mm -hmm. early 97 yeah so five years i played in that band yeah Yeah. and then we and we put out like one we put out like one record that was like kind of on a a, like a japanese funded independent during the 90s and so we toured a bunch of the us and in europe and um, played a bunch. Of, I mean, so we did a lot of like on one side of record, I mean, we played like probably 150 shows or something like on that album cycle. Yeah. And um, yeah.
1: So after that, uh, did you take a break after you, you know, playing I joined
2: this or? other band. It's called the Lassie foundation, which I was in off and on for a long time, like eight or nine years. And then did that for a while. Then I, took a break and then I actually did take a break in the early 2000s and I went to graduate school for literature at UCLA and was in a PhD program for about uh, six or seven years and then in the middle of kind of so during that time then I got um, the pumpkins gig and then since then which is so that was like you know 14 years ago now
1: that's uh, that's what i was going to say yeah. since 2007 <laughs> but, right yeah.
2: yeah yes but it really started in 2006. oh okay know? okay yeah when i started actually rehearsing with them oh um, well, it was like because they were they were here in they were here in l.a making zeitgeist and so they were kind of getting towards the end of the recording and so they're like oh we need to find a guitar player or bass player and guitar player. And so they're like, well, well, we should just look out here. It's going to be easier to find people in LA than, than Chicago. And um, yeah, so I was like, I was literally the first person that tried out. Really? Oh, wow. How'd well, you hear the about get the get gig? Up, How'd you get hooked up with that,
0: gig? with that audition?
2: Um, You know, one of my friends who was actually, he was in both the Violet Burning and Lassie Foundation. He um, is like a big, computer guy like graphic designer stuff. So he was always and he worked he always worked from home. And so he was on um all he was like the first person I ever knew that was like online. He's like, yeah, there's this thing America online. You can get like this thing called the internet. We're like, what? So he was always very tech savvy. And um so even at that time he uh was always on he had hundreds of friends on AOL Messenger. I remember. <laughs> I remember yep. that. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got me. Yeah. And so somebody he knew was working at the Pumpkins Management Company and was kind of sent out a message like, hey, LA friends, like if you know any guitar players or bass players, you know, or maybe she, she hit him up because she knew he was a musician, like, hey, if you have any friends. Mm-hmm. So he, I got a text message when they goes, hey, you should call me. I got something I want to tell you. Home, he goes, Hey, I got this message. Smashing Pumpkins are looking for a guitar. Player. I really think you should audition. And he, here's their manager's email. You got to send them like a, like a bio and stuff. And I didn't have any of that stuff. I didn't, I mean, I never, yeah, you know, I was not, I wasn't like a guy around LA that was, I'm auditioning for bands. You know, I mean, I'd never, ever done that in my life. So I had to actually just sit at home and write a bio and which was actually easy was like perfect to do because mm. I was already You're a big a writer, fan of the band. Really? Yeah, and I was going you know, so I was already a big fan of the band and so I just knew the guitar the influences the guitar influence to put that I knew Billy would be like, I wanna I wanna meet this yeah. guy. You know? <laughs> like I really knew how to tailor it. You know, I wish um, I could find it. I have to find I probably do have it somewhere. Cool, it. That, would should, cool, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool to Because I knew to put like, you know, it was like the right combination of like some hard rock, it was like you know probably like Randy Rhodes, Richie Blackmore, like um, Brad Laner from this from this band called Medicine, this alternative band that was from LA that had actually toured with the Pumpkins, and like it was just like the you know the right combination of things. I knew that he'd be like, wow, I can't believe this guy exists. <laughs> and, so, um, and so they yeah they definitely got right back to me, and and I was the first, and they definitely auditioned other people. Uh, along the way but um, yeah it I was I know I was the I was literally the first guitar player to try out wow that is what so awesome. what did
0: the audition consist of for you did you show Well, up you and... know
2: that's the thing yeah the thing is is it wasn't just one audition it was um, what well first it was just with Jimmy Chamberlain the drummer and so it was me and some um, bass player And so we would just learn a couple songs. And then um, once he kind of had a a small group of people, he thought we're like, okay, like these are like in the running. Then Billy came down and we played. But so it was actually over months. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just one time. It was, and they were really cool. They they, um, would let me come and hang. They would like just come, you know, we'd go jam like for a while. And then and then Jimmy was like, "Yeah, why don't you just cruise over to the studio and just hang out?" So I got to see. They would let they would let me just hang out for like six eight hours while they were making the record. So I got to see, and Roy Thomas Baker was producing, so I got to hang out like I oh, that's Jimmy awesome. Roy, Roy Thomas Baker and Billy Corgan and at the, the Village Recorder and like it's like man, like this is so cool. <laughs> that
0: was so that. Cool. Uh... I mean, I I would say that was a good sign off the bat. They're like, yeah, let's see what this guy's like to hang out with. And that's true. Yeah, that's
1: very. Yeah. That's very important. That's like another way of just like, hey, let's hang out and see how he how he is. You know,
2: because yeah. that's very yeah, important. I think, that, I think I think that that was. They're like, okay, there's going to be a lot of people who can play, but can you hang? Right, right. And I would say to this day that, fifty percent of the gig, any gig you have, is can you hang? And how much of a nuisance are you? Are are you pleasurable to be around? Do you rock them? I mean, I I think that that's, you know, it's funny when young people always ask, like, oh, what should I do to make it? I'm like, well, you gotta just learn how to be chill. And, you know, if you're on a 10 hour bus ride, are you gonna annoy everybody? (laughs) Are you gonna annoy everybody at the airport? Or, you know what I mean? So backstage, I a that's a huge part of it. But, you know, an interesting, I was gonna say one interesting um, tidbit of information, which I think you guys would appreciate. Um, And I don't think he would be um, offended by me saying this, Um, but one person who auditioned on the bass, which was, it was really, really cool. Um, He didn't get, obviously he didn't get the gig, but um, Joey Vera from Armored Saint. Wow, (laughs) really? Yeah, yeah 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 wow man and he was really good i mean obviously yeah i mean he was, was like yeah. he was like the real deal <laughs> i mean it was, it was but um i don't i mean i don't know i mean it, it was just me and jimmy and him and joe and we've i i, I know i can't remember what other songs but i do know 100 percent for sure we played cherub rock I just remember, like, like listen. I'm like, wow, this sounds amazing. It literally sounds like if Steve Harris was playing bass on this <laughs> song, because <laughs> he kind of played that kind of thing. Yeah, had definitely, like you know, um, and it was really good. But I, I, I they'll, they'll never, you know. I don't know why I wasn't there for the, yeah. you know, I didn't yeah. discuss like why he did or, you know, why he didn't get the gig, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, that was, that was really, really cool because um, I remember I was hanging out at the studio with them one day and they're like, yeah, hey, Schroeder, tomorrow we got gonna audition this guy. You ever heard of this guy? You know, this band Armored Saint? I'm like, dude, and I was like, Joey Vera? And they're like, yeah, that's his <laughs> name, Joey. I'm like, oh, I'm like, dude, cause I, I really liked Armored Saint. Growing up, so uh, to me, it was really it was it was really cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, that is, that's 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 a cool story. <laughs> I
1: had no idea, <laughs> no clue. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, are, are you still in touch with Joey? Or uh,
2: I'm not. No, I'm not. Oh, okay, not. okay. I, mean, I didn't keep in touch with him at the time, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's
1: a cool story. He was, yeah,
2: he was, and he was, he was super nice, and like I said, he was a smoking bass player, really good, really good.
0: Well, you've got you've got a. a, a a triad of of uh i mean jimmy's a he's a badass oh, man drummer oh you know yeah yeah. and then vera and then you're in there i mean that must have been freaking insane
2: yeah it you know? was I mean, it was cool it yeah. was really cool yeah i'm sure <laughs> it, it changed was, the but,
1: the dynamic of the song i'm sure <laughs> with yeah yeah
2: well because it's just you know what i've learned over the years is a lot of and you know, you play bass, right? Yes. You know, uh, yes. Uh, yeah. And, and as you know, I guess from a technical standpoint, it's not hard maybe to play simple bass. You know, like people like, oh, I, and like me, I, if I'm making a demo at home, I can certainly pick up the bass and play play bass. But obviously to play good bass is something that's, just as difficult as anything you know any you're thing, absolutely you know, correct yes. yeah you know um it's like bass is not easy at, by any such imagination but what i've found is over time that um even if i'm if i'm doing something or re, you know recording it's even if the bass part is simple having a bass part that's really really good can make even a simple part like just sound like even way better because it's about the pocket the pushes the feel you know what i mean that even if it's something that's how with Joey, it was like, even though, I mean, those wasn't like those bass parts were hard for him, but just his feel, his pocket was just, it just was like, wow. Like that's, that's, it was like world-class, you know, someone who's played all the biggest stages in the world, who's done it all, played thousands of gigs. Like it had that kind of level of experience behind it. And that's, that's the way I would describe it.
0: What was it like when you got the news that you got the gig?
2: Well, you know, I really didn't think I was going to get it at, at one point. Because because the last jam we had was actually was was really was really bad. Um, so, you know, I had been jamming with Jimmy and a bunch of different bass players. And we we started rehearsing a couple times a week. and We're like, man, this is sounding really good. He's like, OK, I'm going to have Corrigan come down. And so Billy comes in and then all of a sudden he's like, I don't want to play, you know, these songs let's uh, let's play this new song i'm working on and it was that song united states which actually don't like us it's like a like a crazy song like you know what i mean it had all these crazy riffs and changes it was like i could not even keep up i I, you know i i it was i i was it was horrible yeah it was horrible like terrible and and we i remember we did play a couple other songs we played like today we played tonight tonight and and he you know he was just a hard ass on me from like this from like this you know which i really learned i appreciated because he was like if you're gonna do this gig you got to be you you can have to step up to the plate because you know i want someone who's really good and like you're gonna have to be you know you're gonna have to kind of fight for your you know for, for your space up there and um but I went home after the audition. And I remember, I, cause I had been working for months. I mean, I was going to grad school, I totally fucking blew off all my like, you know, I mean, I was like just obsessed with getting this gig. I was like, dude, I'm going to I got it. And it's like kind of the longer it went on. So it'd been like maybe three months since the first time I jammed with with Jimmy. So it'd been like months of hanging out, you know, playing. And then so I'm like, I was just working, working, working. And so then I go, okay, this is it. This is like, this is the final one. Like, this is it. Like, you know, and I totally bombed it. Like, just terrible. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, I remember I walked into my little shitty studio apartment, you know, Mm -hmm. in West LA and just fell face first onto my bed and just Uh, was like, didn't move for like hours because I was just so emotionally drained and, and, um, and so it was kind of right before Christmas. And so they they Billy and Jimmy banged off back to Chicago and um, you know, uh, whatever. And then in January I started going, you know, I was back at, at school at UCLA, whatever, doing my graduate work. And then when they get I see my phone, I'm like, wow, it's Jimmy calling me. And so I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And he goes, Yeah, you know, um, so I want to talk, you know, you know, it's like, how you doing? Yeah, good, 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 whatever. He's like, so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the last time we jammed. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, I, certainly do, I certainly don't, you know, but he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like we don't. thought, he goes, we thought it went pretty well. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought, we thought it went pretty well. He said, but, you know, um, there's a couple things that we want you to work on if you want it, you know, if you're still s- interested in taking it, do it and trying to get this gig. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Any, whatever, I forget, you know, a couple of things like, you know, I, I can't remember what he said, you know, um, in specific, but I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, and then I think, I think then I jammed with him and and Ginger who ended up getting the gig on bass a couple more times and Billy just never came back he's like you know what Jimmy? He's like if you if you think he's the one then let's just do it and then yeah and so then I actually finally got the gig so it wasn't like oh like I auditioned once and then I waited and got the call it was like it was like months of torture. (laughs)
0: yeah a gig like that man you know you 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 definitely got to spend some time and find the right the right person you know
2: Uh, yeah yeah because i think it's a hard gig because i think what they would have what the problem would be is they'd get like the all like say like the alternative guitar player in there who was like could play like kind of the say cure Joy Division E, Echo and the Bunnymen kind of guitar, but really struggled at playing the heavy stuff. Yeah. You know, couldn't, couldn't really, couldn't lay down the metal really well. And then you'd get the metal guy who'd come in who could play heavy, but not really in the right way, but could play heavy. But then for like the clean, pretty stuff was totally out of place too. So finding people who were into both equally and, and, and can kind of conversant in both languages, I think was very difficult to find. And I think it had, you had to have been kind of born in a certain era to really have been into all those things as, you know, and, and certainly I was, because like I said, even though I was into heavy metal, but I was super into U2 and the cure and all that stuff as well. Um, So that was
1: already in your DNA already yeah
2: it yeah yeah and then even by the time that gig came along, i had already was into like you know well i mean because this was in the mid 2000s in the early 90s i was into like ride and my bloody valentine and all that kind of british shoegaze stuff and um so i think it was um like you just kind of had to have had the right set of influence like truly had to have been inspired by that stuff and played those different types of things um, and to be honest, like what was probably lacking in my playing at the time was playing more. I hadn't played that heavy in a long time since I was in high school. You know, none of the mm. bands I was wow. in kind of because po- we were really as heavy as the Pumpkins. You know, with I mean Jimmy's crazy drummer, so he had all that all that crazy riffing and stuff. Um, so that took me a little bit of time to get back up to speed you know and you know i never had to you know in the 90s i didn't have to play like leads like that or anything like you know i mean nothing like that you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) jimmy will definitely i mean um i've read a few things about jimmy and um i've seen a bunch of his videos and stuff and he's not he's not some just some drummer man i mean he's a he's a top-notch guy and and you know he's got technique on point and uh, not to nerd out on drums, but definitely you you hear it and you see it. There's a lot of great drummers oh, yeah. out there, but then there's those people that stand out on their own. They've got their own approach. And um, it's interesting you mentioned the shoegazing because I think, wasn't the Lassie band that you were part of, was, was that uh-huh. a shoegaze band? It was very shoegazing. Pretty
2: much, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, the thing I would say about Jimmy, you know, in my honest opinion and is I really think that he's one of I mean I think if you really talk about the handful of really great rock drummers you know the people like you know John Bonham and Keith Moon from like the 60s 70s then you have a like kind of out of the 70s and the 80s to people like Neil Peart and you know, that are kind of like, that were kind of like these benchmark drummers, like, yeah, you know, right. I mean, benchmark, and I don't know, you know, who else? I mean, obviously, there's certainly tons and tons of great drummers, but like the people that are like that next level. Yeah. And I really think that Jimmy's at that level. Oh, yeah. yeah he's one of those people Talk that really. should be recognized as being one of the most important drummers in rock history. I you mean, know, when like I... That, when he's I, really that good. Yeah. And I don't think that people realize, I mean, because, I mean, if you don't understand drum, but like, like even in the studio on stage, I mean, I played 1000, you know, I don't know, probably 1500 shows with him now. And at hour, two hours and 20 minutes, three hours into a set, he he doesn't get tired. He can just pull off. In fact, he gets even like more insane as the night goes on. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. crazy.
1: <laughs> right on, man. Right on. Yeah. So I, I see that uh, uh, the new record, you guys signed with, uh, was it Sumerian Records? Sumerian, yeah, uh-huh. So that's your first. That's going to be your first release with that label, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, that's correct, okay. yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be a double album? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, I don't know, I, I'm pretty, I'm trying to think like, yeah, it'll be two, two, It's I know it's two vinyl records. I was like, is it going to be right. three? It's, twi- it's 20 songs, but it's but the songs aren't real. There's really no epic long jams on it. So I think, yeah, five songs for Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't actually seen a test pressing or anything yet.
1: Oh, okay. Because I did see yeah, some yeah. color vinyl, and I'm going to pre-order yeah. one of them. I just don't know which yeah. color. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but they've been, Sumerian has been awesome so far. Like They've been... By far, kind of the most enthusiastic label um, in like the you know fourteen years that I've been in the band, like like they're super invested in, in in you know getting this record in people's hands and promoting the band, and so we're really thankful.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and and oh, you yeah. guys released a a, a sixth song on Spotify. Uh, it's a six song. Well, it's not an EP really, but I mean, there, there's six. No, songs, so.
2: it's like we've released the other songs. And then obviously we had the one video with the t- for the title track Seer. 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 Yeah. And then the other videos are, go with the kind of the animated video series that's been released. Yeah.
1: One of my favorite songs is, uh, the color, color love. And that oh, reminds yeah, yeah. me, I think I mentioned it to you, uh, it, that baseline reminds me of The Cure of the Forest. It yeah, has that yeah, feel no. to it.
2: <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like actually producing it, like we were in the studio, we had to like make sure to stay away to not to make the rest of the song like because the bass had that feel and the, with the drum groove and everything, yeah. And so we were like, okay, like we can't do the acoustic guitar, and <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, we right. had to kind of stay, stay away from like making it like too much of an homage to the cure, but with that, but it's not, with, I like, love it, yeah, yeah, with having the reference, but then you know, um, not going too crazy with it, yeah
0: if if the listener listeners out there man um you gotta check it out it's a really really good i guess it's like a preview of what's coming with the album yeah 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 uh, yeah. my my favorite track so far is the first one the uh, satana one
2: yeah Uh, uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah Oh my god. Hannah Santana. Yeah. yeah Santana. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the year of Satan.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what it is, right? The year of Satan? Is that what it is? And
2: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> oh, yeah. like, well, that's all I Billy, right? That title. I was like, I'm like, I'm like, is that what? I'm like, what's that mean? He's like, the year of Satan. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god.
0: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because one of our our previous episodes, we were talking about the, the, satanic, the panic satanic panic, the panic in the 80s.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. Night
0: Stalker, that whole that whole deal. Oh,
2: Richard! I mean, growing up in Southern California, we were like we yeah. literally locked our windows at night. Yeah. In well,
1: here's the, the, here's middle the of summer. He, uh, we're from El Paso, Texas, and he, that's where he, he originally he, where he's from. And we went Richard to the high school. And never forget, yeah.
2: never forget, Richard the, Ramirez. Yeah, you went to
1: the same high school that we went to.
2: Wow, that's yeah. scary.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's it was you know it was it's an interesting episode, but. Jeff, I want to ask you a little bit about, um, I didn't know this. Beegs was telling me about the Inner Oceans project. That oh you yeah.
2: Did. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. tell me
0: a little bit about that project.
2: Well, that was with, uh, my new band, um, which we actually just had our kind of one year anniversary of our first show was I think yesterday or either the day before, um, okay. which was we opened up for Peter hook and the light in Brooklyn. Oh, um, yeah. Awesome um but so that's with my new band night dreamer and um which i have right here I'm, I'm, yeah oh cool yeah, yeah and so what it is is i i'm my friend jamie go uh his last name is g-o-h uh go he um he's a licensed hypnotherapist and so <clears throat> we just became friends you know we became friends and i've I'm obviously very interested in that type of stuff and um and kind of a reader in that world of of kind of psychology, I guess, self help, yeah. new age, yeah. spirituality, kind of books. And um, so, one of the first times we met, we were, you know we started talking about kind of different books and stuff we're into, and and we had a lot of a lot in common. And so <clears throat> we just kind of kept in touch, and um, and then once kind of the COVID thing happened. I kind of had the idea in my mind of making that of kind of doing like a kind of a guided hypnotherapy meditation album um, before coronavirus. But then once it happened, I was like, "Oh, we really got to do this," yeah. and because we felt like, you know, just to give people some basic resources, you know, just something simple, like if you know, because it was. I mean, now we've kind of adapted to it, and it's still. And obviously, it's 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 a horrible situation. It's you know, but. I don't know how, how it was for you guys, but I mean, those first couple months, I felt like really panicked all the time. If I went out to the store, I'd be sweating because with gloves and, you know, I mean, didn't know yeah, for sure. like like what was going to happen. Like, you know, the information was just like spotty at best and, you know, I mean, people didn't- Your really anxiety know.
1: levels went up high. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. So I was like, man, we really, you told Mindy, I said, you know, we really got to do this. And so, um, yeah. And it was, you know, because it was just kind of, not terribly difficult to do you know so we did it over about a month and um yeah it, it just really like it came more of like a obviously we weren't expecting to sell a million copies of it or anything like that in fact you know i mean um we were talking about like we're just going to put it up on spotify and and i apple music and stuff now so people can just have it for free because just people awesome. we just wanted to basically just as a as something as a resource for people to use. Well, when Beaks told me about that, you know,
0: he's like, "You're gonna really like this," um, because I do a little bit of that. I'm a life—I mean, I play music and stuff. But my day job is I'm a life coach. I'm a massage therapist. Been doing that for years. And I—I I was like, when those when those this whole thing started, I was like, "You man, I'd go out to the store. I'd be." freaking panicked clubs. and my anxiety was high and <laughs> yeah. i was like man i gotta get my meditation and all that stuff so we speak the same language <laughs> right. when it comes to that um that's pretty awesome so listeners check that out uh, believe it or not man uh meditation and all that stuff can really really help bring that crazy anxiety down we really need it right now because it's 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 insane
2: well, it's really getting us hard yeah no and from what i've um, learned you know and this is from my personal therapist <laughs> you know, is that even just doing like when you do like which is kind of deep breathing exercises yeah. which is kind of what you kind of do in in meditation right and if you breathe deep into your stomach there's actually a chemical reaction that takes yep. place and that lowers your whatever the chemical that actually causes anxiety so it's not just Hocus, pocus pocus right. like oh do some right. meditation like it's good for your it is good for calming your thoughts but it is also just from uh just the, the physicality of it like doing that kind of deep breathing and slowing down is actually there's a chemical reaction that actually lower your um anxiety level and apparently um when you have kind of whatever the chemical that's released when you are anxious totally stunts like a lot of like creative acts. Oh yeah for like, sure minds. Man. Yeah. So I think for people who are into the kind of creative arts and whatnot, like, you know, and tend to be, um, maybe get a little, you know, I don't, I don't wanna, how do you say it? like can be kind of um, swept away by like a situation like this, because mm-hmm. you're kind of maybe a little more in tune with like feelings and kind of things are going on yeah. out there. And, you know, it's really not, but it's really not healthy to your creative practice. So anything like that, I, I feel like it's just helpful. And just having tools and being able to recognize that um, and knowing that it's, that it's okay that, and that there are, um, like you said, that it, it's not means that there's something wrong with you. It's just like kind of a chemical reaction taking place in your body because your body's going like, hey, it's trying to protect itself. You, but know, you can't live in that but you can't live in that 24 7 right drain right you. yeah
0: you it, yeah. not not to not to nerd out about that stuff because i could talk about that forever but as a drummer you've know, got we've, i've got this buddy he's a drummer as well and he tells me you gotta get spiritual with it man and i hadn't i hadn't i took a break from music focusing on you know as as, as a life coach meditation coach and all that Beggs was the one that was like, hey, dude, let's start this, this band and let's start recording and stuff. He got me back into it. And I'd been away for so long that the, one of the first gigs that we did, I didn't remember how to set up a drum kit. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I literally said, yeah, I stood there and I was like, well, where does this go? Got through that show. But I was talking to a friend of mine who's a drummer and he was like, you got to get spiritual with it, man. Again, it's not woo-woo it's actually a scientifically proven method to really tap into your creativity. So as a musician, as an artist, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, stress and anxiety will stunt that. It'll block you.
2: Yeah. And some people and thrive off
0: you, of it. You know, they, they're like, Oh, I'm going to write do, this, they do. this. I'm going to write yeah. on about this or whatever. And that's cool. So if it works for you, great, but that's awesome, man. I'm glad you're going to put that on, on. So it's called inner oceans.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Interrupt. And that it was done Where can you get
0: it right now? Can, can you per, it, it's you can on Bandcamp. It
2: Bandcamp, it, okay, Yeah, it, that's it's right. on Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. And that was done by Night Dreamer, your current yeah, partner. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. a solo thing. Yeah.
2: No, no, yeah. Okay. That's with my kind of uh, other band besides Pumpkins, yeah. So you, so know, you
1: Night and how, how did you and Mindy get together? How did that work? How did that come about?
2: Um, we just kind of knew each other through kind of the LA music scene you know and so um and i knew that she you know was a singer and and um, songwriter and i was out in la at one time for an extended period and i would wanted to like you know i really want to i've been talking about it for a long time but now's the time i really you know want to start a another band besides pumpkins i've been in pumpkins long enough and now i've kind of you know, for a while I didn't want to do anything because I just wanted to focus on being the best member in that band I could be And You know, it required a lot of work on my part to kind of elevate my musicianship to be in a band with the with people the caliber of like people like Billy and Jimmy, you know, and and so I just wanted to focus on that for a while. But now, but then after I'm like, okay, I'm ready to kind of delve back into doing kind of some of my own music, but I'm not a, a singer-songwriter. You know i i write guitar parts i'm more like a johnny marr kind of person who kind of just you know writes things or you know in you know johnny marr i guess an alternative the are like a george lynch and heavy metal where it's like you're gonna write riffs in in their songs but you need as vocalists someone to write over the top and that's that's me too yeah and so um i had been working with um gotten together a couple of times with this producer, uh, a friend of mine out here in LA called Rick Parker, who was in a band in the eighties, if you can remember called Lions and Ghosts. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if you remember them. I remember yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and so he was like, yeah, let's, you know, let, you know, he's like, I just like, I, I, I want to work on some songs. And so I was like, I need somebody. So I just hit up Mindy one day, I just texted her or whatever. I forget, you know, probably just, yeah. And it was like, Hey, Uh, you know, how you doing? Haven't talked in a while. I said, you know, would you, could you show up to the studio on like Tuesday and just, I'm gonna work on a, wanna work on some music. Do you, are you comfortable with just kind of trying to write melodies on the spot and stuff? She's like, yeah, totally. And so that's just literally how it started. And we wrote a song, wrote and recorded that song um, first day, which we actually never released. Um, I still have it somewhere. Um, But then her and I started you know i started demoing more and i'd send her kind of stuff and then it just kind of snowballed from there until we um it took a little massaging you know we kind of like stylistically trying to figure out where you know where to take it and how it would kind of work out um but you know but I, but then i think in the you know now looking back i'm like we actually recorded it all fairly quickly you know we worked really hard i mean her and i we, we you know, we put a lot a lot of work into it and really um really you know put our all into like lift you know getting this thing off the ground because as as you guys know it's a lot of work (laughs) yeah Yeah, and you just know that like if you don't put that kind of effort it's going to take like a year you know like a year yeah oh yeah i've been working on that project forever it's like we're like no let's like let's let's do it you know and and we had a lot of um a lot of really great momentum going but obviously COVID really stunted all our plans and being a smaller band it, we've just decided to um, we have a bunch of new material you know we have a couple songs that are like literally mixed mastered ready to go we have like basically two videos ready to go but we're just kind of going to wait till after the new year to release stuff just because it was just so all over the place like, like it, people's like attentions and emotions and yeah. And now with the election coming, we just feel like, you know what? We've worked really hard on all this new music that we just didn't wanna like throw it out there. And then we can't play a show. We can't do anything to really promote it either. you yeah. know. So we're just like, you know what? As much as it sucks to have to wait, just feel like until the world gets back to a little bit more of like a normal um, type of rhythm, we just feel like, let's just kind of chill. So we're working on stuff. And like I said, we're trying to, actually just do a whole record. Now we were going to do another EP, but since we have the time, we're kind of like halfway through.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: Oh, hopefully in vinyl, it would be nice if you guys. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll do it all this time, you know, for sure. I'm a vinyl geek. (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Me too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, speaking of, speaking of the psychology a little bit, um, when, when the original guitarist came back into the band of smashing, um how did you feel about that was there was that something that was talked about or was it a little bit of a surprise and how did uh, no, you process Billy that was,
2: uh you know he to his credit from day one he was very he was totally transparent about the whole mm. process and and you know him and i are very close and we were you know um very close at that time and he was like you know um this is what i'm thinking i'm thinking just. You know, I really feel like the band should be at a higher stature, and um, kind of right now, I feel like the only way to do that is to get the original band back together. I'm, you know, but he said, "But I'm telling you, right?" He's like, "You're going to be in it too. You're not going anywhere." So from so so, it was actually more exciting. Yeah, you know, than than anything weird, um, and uh, because like the kind of like behind the scenes business excitement was really gung-ho for it. And, um, you know, it's a shame that it couldn't be worked out with Darcy, you mm-hmm. know, to get the whole, whole band, but it just wasn't in the cards, you know? Right. Um, I mean, she's pretty much been out of music, you know, since whenever she left in 98, I think. You know? so, so she has it. oh, okay. So
1: that's a long, long time.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I know, you know, Billy really did try to reach out to her and they talked a bunch you know but it just whatever I I don't know exactly why but mm. you know it just really just didn't happen um but but, but which is great you know because now we have you know Jack Bates Peter Hook's son is playing in the band and so I did it's not kind know like, that yeah yeah no yeah,
1: yeah, way yeah. I had no idea so that's that's yeah. his son
2: yeah yeah Jack is actually Peter Hook's son oh. and that's how so that's how we saw him because Billy and I would go see Peter every time he played in Chicago and well, actually, I met Jack at the first time I met Jack in Manchester in two thousand seven on the Zeitgeist tour. You know, he was just—I think he was like—I mean, he was probably only like fourteen, maybe fifteen. He's just a just a kid, you know. And he came yeah. with his dad and his and his friend to the show. I Just remember meeting this kid. You know, it's like a little teenager backstage. Had a harmony and then, guitar. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we'd start. You know, we'd go see Peter with his solo band, The Light, play in Chicago, and we're like, and Jack plays in the, ba- plays bass, because there's two bass players in the band, because, you know, the bass lines are kind of semi-complicated to sing over. So when Peter sings, because he sings in the band, so he has Jack playing unison with him, but a lot of times during the verses and choruses, you know, Jack's the only one playing, because Peter has to focus on singing. Right. and um. And so we'd go see him play, we and Bill and Billy were like, Man, Jack's pretty good. We should next when we get the Pumpkins, like next, you know, for the next Pumpkin store, we should just get Jack. And so this was before James came back. We did that tour with Marilyn Manson, um, twenty fifteen. And so that was the first time actually Jack played with us. And so he's kind of been along along for the ride since then too. So wow. That's pretty awesome. Had, man. Yeah. And yeah and he actually jack you know he played on higher higher than the sky on the night Dreamer ep
0: oh wow oh, pretty awesome really. man
2: yeah he played on that and we just that was fun because we just actually did that back that's what's great about you know technology is we just did that backstage uh you know on our european tour i was like hey i, I want to have like I want to can you play bass on this song and I just like basically said we just did it you know yeah. spent like an hour or two backstage and I was like great and then I literally sent it um, like at whatever after like before the show started and then by the time the show finished I got back to the hotel it was like morning time in LA and Mindy and Josiah were in the studio working they were like yeah we got the bass like added it to the session and it was like so amazing that you can just do stuff like that now.
0: Oh yeah, totally, man. It's crazy. Yeah. I can write yeah. a whole record in the back
1: of the bus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. For sure. I actually now it's like, cause you know, with even Pumpkins now we're we're working on music and so we basically you know, work from home and I kinda I have to admit I kind of I don't mind it. I mean there's nothing beats being in the room at the same time right. and playing. Right. I mean that's that's but but it's actually kind of not, it's not too bad, you know, to, to be able to sit in my own little home studio and, and just try out ideas like this. It's, I feel like it's a little, it's pretty comfortable that way. And I really, I, I don't mind it.
1: Who's a female vocalist on, on some of those songs. I hear, you know, there's a female, I don't know which song. Oh, that's uh, a-
2: on the new Pumpkins. It's a uh, Katie Cole who plays live with us. You okay. know, she plays okay. keyboards and sings. Um, she and then also, um, <clears throat> there's two. It's Katie Cole and there's uh, Sierra Swan. Um, and Sierra's a, a friend of the band, too. And, uh, but Katie wrote most of the parts. Like, while we were making the record, she got the track. And then at her studio in Nashville, <clears throat> she demoed everything out and then would send back her ideas. And then, yeah, she worked really hard on all that. That's why they definitely weren't just an afterthought. That was like... You know she worked on those parts for weeks not even uh, probably weeks more like probably a couple of months to be honest you yeah. know what i mean yeah yeah and um yeah so that's katie and sierra
0: yeah it sounds really really good i was asking beings like about that and um yeah i didn't know but it sounds really awesome
2: yeah 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 mm-hmm.
1: i mean this whole record has a different vibe i mean it doesn't sound like the you know the previous you know like the back catalog you know this is more like no no we, different we approach. Have...
2: Yeah. Yeah. We were absolutely on this record going like, okay, we're not going to try and do anything. That's like the past, like, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. There's like, really, there's, there's one, there's really only one full blown rock song, like on the record, (laughs) the rest is, yeah, the rest is all, kind of more of this kind of newer sound, which was a fun record to make. I mean, we had a lot of fun. It was really, I mean, it was, it took a long time. I mean, we really spent a year making it off and on. I mean, not a year straight, cause we did a bunch of tours in in the middle of it, but you know, but that's but from basically from beginning to end, it really was almost a year
1: yeah. of work. Was it more of a collective uh, or was it just, you know, Billy was like, I want to go in this kind of direction.
2: Um well he wrote this you know he worked on the the songs the ideas and demos and then we would just all work together and and just kind of feel like we would we had always try like we tried more guitar and stuff and it would just be like ah oh, this just doesn't it just feels too old it just doesn't feel fresh and so um it was a basically an ongoing conversation it wasn't like one day walked in like hey this is I mean, but I will say from day one that the criteria was it has to feel fresh. If it feels old, like the old thing, that we're not going to do it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Was there any yeah. song that you threw, that you guys didn't keep that you yourself were like, man, that's, we, we should probably keep that.
2: I can't remember if we, no, I mean, cause we went over these songs, yeah. like, like over and over. I mean, like, like I said, like, yeah, like, it, like we worked really hard on like thinking through like what should be, what should it. and should not be on the record. Yeah. Like thing, things, things kind of became pretty self-evident, pretty self-evident.
0: And you know, it's interesting you're saying that because as you're, as you're writing and I'd never thought of it that way, like, if it feels old, just let's move on. You know, it might be a great riff, might be a great idea, but it just, it just doesn't.
2: Well, because, you know, I mean, we're all music fans, Yeah. like we're all, and, 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 and there's bands from the past that we all love, you know, and artists from that haven't had a long legacy that we all love. And, and like I'll definitely go and buy a new, their, their new record, you know, um, but and sometimes it resonates with you and sometimes it doesn't. But no. like even like you know a band like I love like Kiss. You know the last couple records they did um, what Sonic Boom and Monster, especially Monster. They really tried to go for that '70s classic yeah. Kiss sound. And, and at first you're like, oh, this is cool. But then it's not like you put on Monster over Love Gun or mon or psych, Cy- you know, or Sonic Boom over you know, rock and roll over. It's like, if you want the old kiss down, you go listen to old kiss, right? The old stuff. Yeah. 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 It just, a, for some reason, like you think people are going to like it and that, but it's, but it's, it doesn't really seem to work. That's why we, we felt like artistically we had to make that choice of like, you just kind of got to move into the future and yeah. to sink or swim. And, and luckily a lot of it has to do, I think with this, if he is, is that, the Smashing Pumpkin is a live act, if we go out and play a concert, we know we have to play like a large majority of, of older catalog songs. And that's what, you know, concerts now are big production, high ticket price. We know that's what fans expect and we have no problem um, doing that because with kind of the technology that's out there now with staging and videos, like we can put on these really interesting shows that that kind of frame the old material, maybe even in a new way. So yeah. it's actually kind of fun for us. So we feel like, like with new songs, we can have a little more leeway because we really have nothing to lose because we know that we, the catalog is so strong that people are still going to go see the band.
1: Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? And so then if you can have a, a new song and, and you know what, like with this new this is the best response we've gotten for new material in a really long time and and so i think that tells you like if it's good people are going to respond and so well
1: yeah. i like it i i'm enjoying <laughs> it i love the new songs and, and and like you said you know the sumerian records they're really pushing it so that, that yeah a lot it's cool too. it's been fun, they're really yeah. behind it and that's
2: what's great they are you they're very very them. yeah very enthusiastic <laughs> yeah. so it's cool
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah. We
2: actually just filmed last week. You know, we just filmed even another video with,
1: I did kids. see that. I, I saw that in yeah. your stories. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So oh. we got a new video. So it should be pretty cool. I'm nice. excited to see it. I have, what the, song you know, is I mean, this? Uh, it's going to be a song called Ramona. Okay. Which is very like, a, like sisters of mercy kind of, Oh, old school. dude, kinda of, kind talking like, my language. I love sisters like kind of, mercy. Goth, kind of goth, kind of goth, yeah. rock, like heavy goth rock song. Yeah.
1: I'm definitely going to look forward to yeah, seeing that. that. That's
2: pretty awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty so awesome. the video is kind of a play on like, a, <clears throat> you know, kind of like a, like, like a, yeah, kind of a, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, don't, yeah. Yeah, like, I did yeah, see yeah, the pictures away, though. Yeah, yeah I, I saw know, the pictures. Yeah, but, but yeah, but there's, you know, there's a lot of other things that people haven't seen pictures of for like, kind of like where there's a bunch of actors and stuff in it and, you know, there's a bunch of other footage that, That's super. So cool. it's not like
1: a concept album, right? It's Is it or no?
2: Not in the traditional sense, no. I wouldn't okay. consider, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't consider it to be so. Like oh, we're okay. now we're working on another record, like what we're working on now, which is actually gonna be like a 33 song album, oh, you know, wow. which is um, a sequel basically to both Melancholy and Machina. So it'd be like the third album and like this kind of concept album trilogy. And so this one is very much a story based concept album that we're just kind of, I would say maybe starting to end, getting to the end of the first third of working on the record. Wow. Wow, man. Definitely coming up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and I think that we'll probably i think the goal is because i think the earliest that if we play any shows next year it's the earliest it's going to happen is going to be late summer early fall right and so that's kind of like when we would be finishing that so that's why that's what we're kind of like well since we have these this window of time let's just keep on making some new music because what else are we going to do
1: well if you if you come through texas or phoenix Because we're like right in the middle, you know. We're West Texas, so you know we'll definitely go check it out. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys are in El Paso.
1: El Paso, Texas. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I played, you know, playing there in the mid '90s with the Violet Birding, and in in this kind of old strip mall, there was like a rock clothing store. If you remember, you know. And they sold like you know like like lip service clothes and you know there was this band the brand in the night, like Sirius, and then I was like serious and it would be like you know like uh, yeah like leather pants and pant leather pants and so I just remember we just found it during the daytime and you know went there and bought a bunch of, a
1: bunch of clothes. <laughs> what, what 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 year was this do you know do you remember ninety
2: it would have been like 96. 96. okay hmm,
0: hmm. hmm. I wasn't yeah, I wasn't here
2: at that time
0: <laughs> I was in yeah. I was in Mexico. Well, <laughs> yeah cool I, wonder, man. I, wish I, remem- I wish i could remember
2: i wish i could i wish i could remember the name of the club
1: but yeah i mean back I then like it was like club 101 um you don't know if it was downtown area maybe i
2: can tell you where i all i know is is like if you walked into i, cause I can remember that it's tiny you know tiny but there's maybe barely a stage like if the stage was like maybe like six inches off, you know, above the ground or maybe like, you know, maybe as a foot at the most, you know what I mean? It's like, not like a huge, it was like a pretty low stage. And if you walked in the door, which would have been on the left of the building, the stage was like right to the right. Like when you. Oh, wow. Interesting. Walked in. Yeah. The attic, maybe think, but it might have been the attic.
0: The attic, The attic.
2: that's it. Uh, Was was it the attic? Yeah, it was okay. really small and, yeah. and pretty right It must
1: have been the attic then.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it must have been the attic,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah it was pretty so, small and yeah, right a on, tiny man. place, you know what I mean? But it, and we were like, you know, we were there and I'm like, oh my God, like, like who's going to come to this gig, you know what I mean, but like, I don't know, there was like, I mean. I know there wasn't a lot of people. But it was like maybe like thirty people showed up, and it was like one of the best shows ever. Because everybody that was there was like, like we didn't know anybody, and but the people who were there were super cool, and like oh, super into cool. it and super. it was like what it was like. It's like I, I mean I have so, so many gigs in my life that I'll never remember, but uh, that that day and that gig is like ingrained in my mind. That's awesome, man. Because, yeah.
1: Well, hopefully you guys can pass through in El Paso, whether it's the Smashing Pumpkins or with uh, Night Dreamer, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah so, sure, cool, well, thank you for having me. Oh, yeah.
1: yes. Uh, thank you so much <laughs> for, for being on. And yeah, man, we're, we're really excited. And uh, this should be, a. I, I, I know the album comes out November 27th, right? Smashing yeah. Pumpkins. Is this just
2: gonna be, Is it just audio that you guys end up using?
0: We might, we might do video. Um, we'll probably do video a little bit. Further on down, but um for sure. Audio should be out in the next couple of weeks. Yeah.
2: Yeah, audio I know it's kinda easier to do because you know people like to listen to in their car on their phone. Right. No,
0: yeah, it'll be on
1: Spotify. And and, yeah, uh, yeah, cool, cool. So I'll let you know when it when it comes when it comes
2: out. Awesome. Well thank you. Well thanks so much, much,
0: man. You've been very generous with your time, man. And and, of course, any anytime. anytime. And
2: no, I put you know, I mean anytime. Anytime. All right, brother. Oh yeah, you're you're more than welcome. This was a, you know, this was just like a totally, because you guys are like basically the same age and stuff, so it's like yeah. actually kind of fun. So, because we can just talk from everything from meditation to fucking Ingrid Malmstein yeah. to Robert Smith <laughs> yeah. and Peter Hook, you know what I mean? Exactly. So that's, that, that's like the world I live in. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, so it's like a good, like hanging out with friends. so Yeah, really yeah. Cool. Bro. yeah. <laughs> totally,
1: totally. Good deal, but bro. you're always welcome. You're always welcome. So uh, you know, anything you want. to Yeah, make, next time, know, whatever. whatever.
2: I have new music out with whatever night. Yeah, let us know. Man. I, yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. Deal, I really do right, appreciate it. Okay, have cool. a good one, brother. Have a good one. Take care. All right.